This is a Hot Pie Original. Hi, and welcome to The Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards, and today we're going to talk to Marina Perkle. She is a clinical hypnotherapist, a healer. She is also a grief recovery specialist and a coach, and she helps alchemize grief and it is powerful. So powerful, you know? And I, I mean, like, I feel like putting out something directed at grief can bring up a few resistances in us. Like, oh, I don't need that right now. But it's so useful. And then to be able to go ahead and have those tools, even when we think we don't need them, is really, really important. Because then you have something to turn to, maybe even when you're actually in it, because it sneaks up on all of us. We don't expect grief, you know? So Anyway, I'm so excited to bring this episode today and all her wisdom and knowledge because she experienced it all firsthand in a really, really deep and hard way. So stoked to bring that story to you today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to talk to you first and a few couple business things. If you are a regular listener, or even if you're not, <laughs> if you could please rate and review, mainly rate, if you could hit the five stars and rate the podcast, that would be so helpful. In the podcasting world, that is a real thing that makes a difference. So if these mean something to you, I would be so, so grateful. And if you want to take it even further and write a review, that's fucking awesome. So thank you for that. Also, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. It's at amyedwards.com. Super easy. Just right there on the website. And then I will let you know about these episodes each week as they come out. Also with something that's on my mind and just go a little bit deeper on whatever it is that we're talking about that week. So, and also if I have free content too, you'll get all my free content, which already there's like, uh, I know I've got a meditation on there. I've got some worksheets on there and just a few different things. So anyway, let's get on to today's episode. So happy that you're here. Okay, so today we are going to talk with Marina about grief and alchemizing it and understanding it a little bit more and letting ourselves know that it's all okay. There's no right or wrong. And I'm stoked about that. And one of the things that she brings up a lot is getting out of your head and into your heart and allowing all those emotions and not getting caught up in these bargaining or depression or ruminations that we can so get caught up in, especially with grief or with anything in our lives. And I thought a little, I, this was already on my mind, but as we talked about it, I asked her about it and I feel like we can develop you know, holding back in our hearts and resistances to loving fully. If we experience grief or we experience getting hurt in a really hard or deep way, and we want to just sh close off and shut down, even if it's a divorce. And we talk a little bit about grieving other things besides actual death. We, you know, have times where we can grieve an old way of being, grieve perhaps, oh, maybe transitions into new ways of life. Like maybe your kids graduated high school and you have an empty nest or something like that. You know, I think that there's all different types of grieving where you miss that old, but you have to move forward into a new way of being. And how do we do that? And I got to thinking about it with love just in my own life. As many of you know, I'm in a relationship now and that is pushing me in a new way. And I've been doing a lot of self-work 
if you follow me at all, you know, I've been like on this self-love journey and I have noticed that in this relationship, it is demanding of me, asking of me to love as openly and bigly as, as fully as possible. And I'm recognizing that I want to hold myself back and I, I have some resistant toward it and towards it. And, and not only in my relationship, but in life in general, and I've noticed it in relationships and just being that open. And there's something so vulnerable, but vulnerable about it. And so, um, it's scary. There's a fear and I don't even really understand what the fear is. Am I afraid of getting hurt? Am I afraid of looking stupid? Am I afraid of, um, of feeling all the way that I'm unprotected in some way? Maybe we probably all have different reasons for those resistances and different reasons in different ways of loving. So in my relationship, I've noticed it and I am being called to really fully open up and we can have these underlying, mm, I guess they're resistances, underlying stresses and underlying uh, old reasons, you know, and old habits and ways of being that are just there, maybe not even aware, we're not even that aware of them. And they can affect how we love, affect our openness, affect our heart being open. And I, I, I want to be the person with my heart open. Like I really, truly do. But I notice even with other women in friendships or just meeting them, I can have resistances to loving them fully. There's one person I'm thinking of in particular. I'm sure she would have absolutely no fucking clue that I would think this. And, um, and I have like a total resistance to her in particular. And even when her name comes up, I'm like, eh, you know, and um, I don't want to be that person. And why there's, there's no reason except, you know, maybe, maybe she was interested in someone in my partner or something like that. And so I'm more guarded and more cautious. And I noticed this weekend, I was around some women who were very, very loving and very, very open. And I could tell, like, I hold back. I don't know what I'm scared of, but something about that makes me nervous. And I'm sure I've got some work to do. So I'll let you know. Sign up for my newsletter. I'm sure I'll go further on that. And I'll get maybe more to the root of it. But there's something there. I know that. And I recognized it in the moment. And I'm like, why can I not just open up here? And I think that I get scared that they're not going to like me as much as they like other people, you know? So there's that, com it's comparison. I think a lot of it there, we probably just got to a big piece of it because I'm a comparer or a recovering comparer. <laughs> I'm in comparison recovery. So, um, I noticed that. And the very next day, I had been offered a breathwork session with John Barry, B-A-R-R-Y. He's at Real John Barry on Instagram. And I've known him since October and I knew that he did this breath work and he's extremely gifted. I went in not really knowing. I went in kind of resistant to breath work and he came to me during the breath work and you go pretty deep, kind of like what Marina's talking about. Like it's, it's, a, it's, it's breathing, but it's also like a really focused guided meditation at the same time. And he does a lot of energy work with it too. 
which gets into sounding woo woo, but why not? Why not give it a shot? Right. So I just fully surrendered to it. And when he came over to me, he talked about women and he talked about other women in my life. He talked about comparison or competition. And I've always been able to sense that too, when other women feel that towards me. And so I know that I'm putting it out in certain instances and I need to be more aware of that. And so something about the work he did and me just surrendering to the moment, I didn't even really know what was going on. I just tried to do what I was told and be in the moment and breathe. And something about it just felt like it was lifting and not only toward women, but in my relationship too. And I got to say something about doing this breath work, not only like released whatever old stuff I'd been holding onto, I felt lighter afterward, but it released a sexual energy too, which is a total trip. And I, I had a feeling there was something like that in me that needed to be released. Uh, and you know what, when we have those feelings, we're right. Just pay attention to them. They're there. <laughs> like so many times we're like, nah, I'm just dreaming that. Uh, no, perhaps it's actually there. It is actually there. And just, I feel like those resistances just got cleared some all the way, actually. And I feel like sexually, I'm more open just in the last few days of this. And, and also, you know, just recognizing where I have those love resistances in my heart, or I want to close off a little bit, like, where can we pay attention to that? Where can we breathe through it? And where can we find ways to release and open up? You know, I'm a big fan of Michael Singer, who wrote Untethered Soul, Surrender Experiment. He's got some cool stuff on Audible, too. He has uh, Untethered Soul at Work, which is really, really good. And he's funny. He's really funny. Kind of a down-to-earth guy. But he talks a lot about just that constant work of opening our heart. When are we closing it up? Those are the, those are the moments we have to slip back into that practice of opening it back up. And, you know, those times that I can feel myself a little bit scared to completely let go and love all the way. So you're probably like, well, do I have to go schedule breath work or something? That's not what I'm telling you to do, even though it's a good tactic. So I want to give you something tangible that you can do. That's really, really easy. And it's that Big old paradox, of course, that we can open to love more freely when we feel secure with our own love. So it's returning to that self-love. Do you have a practice around that? You probably do or you want to. Um, are you looking in the mirror and saying, I love you, blank, insert name here. I love you, Amy, you know, which is weird. I made my daughter do it the other day. I made her say, I love you, Gigi, while looking in the mirror. And she was like totally weirded out by the whole thing. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to teach her this because it's useful. But the one thing that I want to suggest today that's a really tangible way of doing it is um, falling asleep. I started doing this during the pandemic and I kind of lost it a little bit, probably because I am sharing a bed with someone now. And so, you know, I think that you, some of your regular practices, like we've talked about, you know, the habits, I think I talked about it maybe uh, two episodes ago about the one with Ella, where I talked about staying conscious of your own habits and whose habits am I living right now. So I've kind of lost track of this habit and I've rekindled it in the last few days. And that is when I fall or, or last week or so, 
when I fall asleep, uh, so many times we can just beat ourselves up with ruminations or whatever, or missing, missing someone. If we've lost a loved one, whatever it is, or money problems, whatever it is, can we push all those aside? And can we just do the self-love thing when we fall asleep? And that's what I've been doing and the practice that I've returned to. So when I fall asleep, I just repeat, I love you, Amy, over and over in my head, which sounds a little kooky, right? But there's no rule that says we have to like think through our entire day and call up old bullshit from five years ago where we did something shameful or stupid, right? So there's no rule that says we have to do that before we fall asleep. And yet we do. So I was like, how about I shift that? And so during the pandemic, and it really, really helps me fall asleep. It helps me a ton. Just, I don't know, just feel love and loved. And it it helps us with the practice of keeping our hearts open just to ourselves. And once we can get there with ourselves, we could get there in daily practice and get there more with others when life is pushing us in that direction, as it is in my relationship. Like I'm recognizing I, if I'm going to really do this, then I better open up and do it, which is scary as fuck. Uh, but I fell asleep last night. I breathe. You can breathe into it too. add your own breath work because breath work. That's so cool that those are things that we can do to ourselves whenever we want, you know, so falling asleep is a perfect time for it. Can you just tune into your breath and just repeat? I love you. Insert your name here. (laughs) I think you can. And, uh, and so I hope that message of love resonates with you. I'd love to hear what your practices are. If you have a quirky practice, like my falling asleep one, I wish you'd tell me. I would love, absolutely love to know. Send me an email. You can reach me anytime at amy, amy, amy at amyedwards.com. Just one Amy. I don't know why I said it twice. Amy at amyedwards.com. So now we're going to jump into today's episode. Marina Perkle is such a beautiful, amazing soul. And she went through a very dark night when she lost her sister who she had raised and actually become the legal guardian of for years. And she, her sister died tragically in a car accident about a year ago. And Marina has been through some serious grief and she already had all these practices So she was like, why can't I deal with this? And she learned a lot. And so hopefully we can learn from her today. I know I did a lot because I've had my own grief. That, you know, the grief just crops up when we don't expect it. I didn't even cry with her today. And yet, you know, I'm teary right now just thinking about my friend Yates. My drummer, um, who and really close friend who died suddenly in December. And, um, you know, just, it just pops up when we don't expect it. And, um, like I really didn't expect that right now, but it's just, it's a real thing. And so how are we dealing with it when it crops up and we don't expect it and how can we alchemize it? How can we trust and understand that it's part of our path? You know, when we don't, when we do not fucking understand. So anyway, we're going to talk to Marina. I'm really excited to bring this to you today. Um, It's really powerful. And um, she offers up you to email her 
anytime you want. And she has grief hypnotherapy sessions recorded and you can tell her where you are in the grief process and she will send you something tailored just to you. How badass is that? Yes. Email her. You can go to her website, which is modernmindalchemy.com. And I think you can email her through there, or you can go to Marina Renee Perkle at gmail.com. So we will put links. There's links wherever you're watching this. We're going to have links to all that. And also you can find her on Instagram. She has a lovely Instagram. It's at modern day magic woman on Instagram. So let's start with Marina now. And I'm just so excited that you're here. And, you know, we're all just here to get better, right? So how can we do that even through the dark times? Okay. I like this fuzzies. You like my fuzzy? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. I like texture. Yeah, you know? I know. Thank it's, you. It's cool on camera too. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it's a whole nother thing when you have the cameras on you, like you were saying with our makeup and everything. It's like, yeah. mm -hmm. got to put a little like hair extensions in too. I did today. Yeah. You did too? Yeah, I did too. Uh, your hair you looks just, really good. Yeah, you just like <laughs> clip a few in, right? My uh, boyfriend has them on in a video. He does this like Billy, this Patriot. Uh -huh. And he puts it in like it so it looks like a mullet. That's so awesome. Take, I'll have to send it to you. It's really good. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, I should get Justin too and see. Oh. Not that he needs them, but it's um, so, mm -hmm. it's, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. You know, I usually start to, I, um, I light a little Palo Santo and just like set our intention. Yeah. And um, I'm just really glad you wanted to talk about when you brought up grief. I mean, it's something that we all deal with, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And even if we're grieving like old situations, yeah, I was kind of thinking about, you know, yeah, grief is, you know, marriage, loss of a job. Grief is so many things, not just death. Obviously we go right to death, but I know we, we do. Need, we need a grief process with a lot of things. Oh, I feel like I had to with my divorce, you know, yeah. and like there's, um, divorces I should say. So here you go. I know. Breathe in and breathe out. Mm. Slide a little pulse on to, do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. It's the best go. smell ever. Isn't it really it? is. I, I know. It. Colton said that he smelled it somewhere the other day and he was like, uh, what is that? Yeah, <laughs> and then the he best. knew. Thank you. It so is. Much. And I just feel like our intention is just to bring light to this and maybe give someone a few more tools yeah. to deal yeah. with grief. And, um, and I'm really, really interested in your processes around it. So I thought maybe we could start to, um, by you just talking about, you know, how you've had to open up to grief in your own life with your sister, yeah, Jenny, yeah. who passed tragically last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I've been doing this work for a few years and, you know, hypnotherapy yeah. and, and coaching and helping and major life transitions. And, and I thought I had an idea of how to really help with grief and found it effective and in, in all these ways and people great response back. But when I went through this loss with my sister, she was my, you know, soul's purpose. I like to call her, you yeah. know, she was half of my heart. Um, so I raised her from a very young age. So she was like daughter, sister, everything. Cause you, what y'all's age difference? It was 10 years. Yeah. So yeah. I got custody of her when I was 21. And so, I wow. mean, we just kind of, we overcame a really hard life situation. I mean, we, you know, had a lot going on. My mom was an addict and drugs, abuse and everything. And so my goal was to give her, you know, everything that I never had growing up. And so that's what gave me drive and purpose and made me work my ass off and be, 
not a drug addict or a, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was like, I focused on her and she was just this little angel, like a light, like, yeah. But, um, and, and that was our story together. And, and a lot of people looked up to that too, when we kind of got out of this town and, and became successful, oh, both of us. It's and, amazing story. Yeah. And, um, you know, so last year it was March 8th, you know, um, we were planning on her coming down to Texas from Washington and finally to have her down here. And she was thinking about moving and I was so excited for us to be, re- you know, reunited and to like live together and to just do life again together, mm-hmm. you know, it'd been years. And, um, it was, you know, we have our knowing, right. When we have that connection to someone, when something isn't right, you know, we, we, there's part of us that knows. And I mean, you have, you have kids. And so yeah. it's like that connection, like we feel something Well, she had gone out, you know, with her friends and she was, you know, party the night before. And I kept saying like, be safe, you know, be safe, you know, here's my Uber account, like just right. take a car, you know, whatever you need, be safe. And I just said, dance like I was there with you. I love you unconditionally. And she's like, I love you so much. That was the last text message that mm-hmm. we sent to one another. Did y'all talk every day? For the last month yeah. before she passed, we did, which was quite interesting that our souls connected on such a deeper level the last month that she was alive. Well, in the morning, you know, I woke up and everything felt very kind of lucid to me, very surreal for some reason. I was going about my day. I went to a farmer's market, but I was waiting for her to call, waiting for her to call. And then I, it was like 11 and it was noon and I see my cousin pop up, my cousin, Timmy, who she was living with at the time. And I answered it and I said, where is she? You know, I knew, I knew right away, where is she? Mm -hmm. I thought she was at the hospital. My mind just went there. And, um, he just said, she didn't make it. And I mean, like, I, I was like, what, you know, what? And I was driving at the time. And the thing is that was like, so amazing and curious about this is like, I, I heard my heart shatter. Like I heard it, like I heard it. It was like someone had thrown like a box of China downstairs. And I just, you know, I couldn't even believe that my heart was still beating. It, It was the wildest feeling. I mean, I would never wish this on anybody and the worst person in the world, this kind of pain, but I remember pulling over and I just got out of the car and I just was screaming no to like the universe. I was in such shock, such denial. Like I even ripped the windshield wipers off my car. I mean, I had this super strength. I mean, we know we're like mama bears, right? It's like, we will do anything to protect, but the hardest part is we can't protect them against themselves. Mm -hmm. And so the one time she was driving drunk, you know, 60 miles an hour into the pole, died instantly, flew out the windshield, died instantly, 30 she didn't feet. Have a seat belt. No. And, um, and she knew better. I taught her how to drive, you know? Uh-huh. So, so this was an interesting time in my life. Cause I was at the peak in my career, like, you know, full practice hypnotherapy. I had just done that podcast with you yeah. and it sent me, so which many, was amazing. It sent me so many amazing clients. Yeah. And, um, I was just I felt like an all time high, you know, I, I really was, I was living on this beautiful ranch in Austin Mm -hmm. and, you know, everything was magical. And I just couldn't wait to share that with her. I was doing it all to share that with her. I mean, she was my purpose. So that was my breaking. And, you know, psychologically, you know, the shock, the denial, all these things. Well, I really went on my own kind of journey there. You know, I work a lot in the spirit realm. We've talked Mm -hmm. about that. And I thought, you know, part of the the shock, whatever, all the things together. I was like, well, maybe I can meet her in that halfway place. It's been four days. You know, I think that I can find her basically in the ethers and I could bring her home at least. And so 
Well, I've heard that there's like a time period when someone dies of this like interim. Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, how do we know yeah. for sure? But, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. Well, and I felt that and there was such a pull, you know, mm-hmm. to the other side for me. And I've never considered suicide before in my life. I've always been, you know, not in that realm. I just haven't, no matter how hard life has gotten. But this was an interesting thing because it was like I was being pulled. It was like my soul was being pulled to be with her. And so I was like, well maybe I can meet her there. Maybe if I, you know, take a combination of things, whatever I thought I did a cocktail of things to basically thought I can kind of, which was ele- what, what was well, your cocktail? Oh, I did, you know, it was mushrooms, Adderall wine. And I was a pretty clear vessel. That's all over the map. It's all over the map. right? <laughs> I'm, but, I'm not sure which direction that goes. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like to keep my channel very clear. And mm-hmm. so, but for me, I was like, maybe if I do this, you know, this kind of combination, you know, it was desperation. It was pure yeah. desperation. I can. I make- remember you at that time. And like, I was worried about you because you were just it oh. was like you just had a break. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, it's not. Which is it, common if someone experiences that devastating loss. Yeah. Like, I have not. Thank God. Yeah. Not not to that degree. But that's where the shock, that's when you're in such shock. And that's yeah. where we really need to show up for people when they're in that place. And there's proper ways to do it and proper ways not to, I think. And we'll, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I did that. And then it led me on a journey, uh, where basically I, you know, I deeply worried my family. They had to geo track me, you mm-hmm. know, and find me. And I was non-responsive. The, you know, the ambulance, you know, had to come. I was non-responsive out near Fredericksburg, out in yeah. the middle of nowhere, Texas. And, uh, yeah, it was wild. And I do feel that I died for, you know, I was doing it over. I was taking as much as I could of whatever. What you know, was all... your experience then when you were in that state? Well, you know, I was lying on a park bench in a very beautiful place. And and I remember and I wrote this note, basically, and this note said, you know, and I was I'm always a very extra person, I guess. Right. So I'm wearing like a, <laughs> you are a little extra. And I yeah. like that about you. Well, I'm like, <laughs> speaks to me. Yeah. Speaks to me yeah. You know, we're sisters from mm-hmm, another mm-hmm. life, many lifetimes, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'm completely at peace with going. I'm completely at peace with death. You know, if I go at this point, great. If not, if I come back, that's great, too. So but I was wearing like this red Michael Kors dress, a big black hat, you know, and I know that I'm, I know my family's out, you know, have people looking for me. So I'm kind of an, I thought that a big black hat would be incognito, right? Well, the no. red dress. Though. Yeah. <laughs> didn't really work. Anyways. So I'm basically, I wrote this note and it said, you know, this is my attempt, you know, my sister, she was my soul's purpose and I want to find her. And if I can find her, if I can meet her in this halfway place and, and, you know, the other realm, and walk her home, you know, be there with her, felt that she needed me, then that's great. And and if I stay with her, that's wonderful. You know, and if I come back, then that's great too. But I'm totally at peace either way. Please don't be sad about this if I don't come back, because that means I've succeeded. Yeah. You know, that was my way of speaking about it. So basically it was, it was, I was just ready. You know, at that moment I was, I didn't have any kind of fear. I just was wanted, it was a desperation. And I think that now looking back at that, a lot of people get there, you know, in the shock, you know, and you really do have this pull to the other side, which is something that I don't think is talked about very much that I felt like my soul was halfway here and halfway with her. And so it's a confusing it was a confusing place. Yeah. To be and in. then you chose an extreme path to try to reconnect or yeah. connect or go to where you were pulled. 
in hindsight, do you think like hypnotherapy and some other ways are totally effective? Cause I'm wondering about like meditation and just getting in that, you know, deep trance like state of connection. Yeah. Which I've experienced or yeah. using psychedelics, you know, totally. maybe. Yeah. And now, you know, I do a lot of work with that. Mm-hmm. you know, in my practice. And I do a lot of conversations to the other side and last conversations to bring closure, you know, so I've been able to reach a lot of people after I did my healing journey to help it. So they don't, you know, so they have peace, right? right? So they have peace. So, right. but that, you know, I thought about that experience, you know, and I, I kept it really quiet, you know, cause I, I went on my own healing. I moved to Colorado for a while and lived mm-hmm. up in the mountains, you know, and I, I felt some shame around that because I'm like, you know, what if people find out about this experience that I had, will they still trust me to help them on their journey? You know, I'm in this realm of, you know, hypnotherapy and everything. And I was like, you know, I think it's better to share this with people and be honest about it. And to also show that that was a year ago, you know, almost exactly a year yeah. ago. And and I'm here now and you can't overcome it. You know, you can go from, you know, this, this place where that feels like an all time low to coming back to really being excited to live and having, you know, a great purpose and living every day, happy to just wake up and open your eyes. Right. Yeah. And I think people are, gonna actually be glad to hear that from you, you know, like rather than judge you. Cause the people, I don't think people are holding us to some sort of superhuman standard, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. way better to have that vulnerability and have, um, I don't know, just those real human moments. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so too. But, yeah. But you cause then you worried. go, Oh, okay. She does too. And maybe she knows how to cope with it better yeah. because of that. Yeah, yeah, because I think in the a lot of times is you know uh, being a healer, hypnotherapist, shamanic work, everything I do, you know, often people will will think that you know they're on this holy pedestal, right? And I'm like, I know, I like that I'm like you know Buddha, and I don't ever have a drink of mezcal, or if I don't ever <laughs> like you know fall into places myself. But it's like, you know, we kind of know darkness in a deeper way. Often, you know, mm-hmm. that was my dark night of the soul. That was you know really me breaking. But then. What well, you're we, more open to it, maybe, you yeah. know, like we're more open to it and more willing to just be like, all right, fine. This is coming up. Yeah. So what am I supposed to do? And what am I supposed to learn? Yeah, exactly. And then it's kind of like that breaking. And one of the quotes that really got me through the hardest moments, and I wrote it down and put it on my mirror, you mm-hmm. know, when I got to Colorado was the very moment we think life is breaking us past recognition could actually be the moment that life is breaking us open to our truth. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that quote got me through. I just had to look at it. You know how there's sometimes there's something you can just look at and go, okay. You know, so I I need it all the time. I have to look at it. Yeah. So I kept saying, okay, what am I being broken open to? What am Mm -hmm. I being broken open to? And, um, and it took me a minute to really get to the place where I was like, I need to start talking to someone, you Mm -hmm. know, cause I really like to self heal my, you know, I'll, I'll drop myself into self hypnosis and I'll connect to my guides and I'll do all this stuff myself. Right. And, but it took me a moment to actually go, okay, I need, I need someone, you know, someone that I could talk to. And so there was this man, um, and he's a grief recovery specialist and he was amazing. Uh, but I wanted to talk to someone who had been through it, lived through it. So I knew how to get through the stages, you know? Yeah. And this man, can I ask you a question? Yeah. This is really kind of a hard question, but did you ever actually like see her body? I didn't. And that's something that I was, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to or not for a moment, but, um, it was very interesting because right when she passed away three days later, 
the lockdown happened. So it's like, she that's di- right. She died. And then the whole world went into basically, it felt like mourning to me. I'm like, so my sister died. Yeah. Now the whole world is shutting like, down. This is clear. I'm clearly dreaming life. Everything yeah, is I'm like, <laughs> this, I'm, this is the matrix. Nothing. Exists. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, it's it, pretty weird. Everything crumbled. In well, my I'm life just, I ask cause, um, there's a, such a surreal nature to it, you know? Yes. And like, um, I, I took a class in college, which was like the best class I took. It was called death in America. Yeah. And we learned a lot about like our own processes of death in this country and other countries and how their grieving processes are. It's more real because yeah. they're actually around the body and stuff. And that's why we do open casket too, to, to process it more for ourselves. Yeah. And so my friend Yates, my close friend, and my I drummer, Yates, he died suddenly in December. And it's still almost like it's not really real to me. Yeah. Like there's a very surreal quality. And that's why I asked you were working with this grief recovery person. And I'm I'm sure you were just ex- experiencing it still on a surreal level if yeah. you hadn't. Even when we do have a tangible, it's still surreal. Oh, yeah. But uh, death is surreal in the whole way of like, how are they just gone? Like. Sometimes I just sit around and I go, he's just, he's just gone. He's like not here. I know. And that's, and I communicate with the other realms, you know, yeah. and I do it. And so, but for me, I, I know very much, there's much more to this. And I believe very much in reincarnation. And one book I will recommend to everybody is the journey of the souls. You know, I have and- that on my audible too. It's, I mean, like this year I've been recommended at like yeah. Three or four times, yeah. just in the last couple. I actually months. ordered a copy for you and Justin. You did, yeah, because oh, I was because I was co- being called to it, so it makes wow, sense. Wow, thank you. But I didn't, I didn't see her her body, and I and I thought about it, and I basically. But you kind of couldn't. I mean, no, I was, you know, I was in Texas. Where this was, was she? In Washington State, okay. and so, you know, she, you know, it was a car accident, but. I talk to in this process, you know, we try to make sense of the nonsensible, you know what I mean? We try to make sense of the tragedies and, you know, I yeah, talk our to, brains like search for a way. Yeah. And especially as like moms, right. We're mm-hmm. like, for you know, who is there someone responsible oh for God. this? You know, we go through all the things and I can't even think about it. No. And mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk to the detective and, you know, the first on the scene, you know, police officers and, this woman, you know, officer called me, you know, the next day after she had passed away. And she said, you know, it was a, it was a private number. And I, I answered it and she said, you know, I thought about if I should call you or not, but I saw you on your sister's Facebook and I was so taken by your sister that I, some part of me knew I needed to reach out to you. Wow. And so it was really interesting. And she said, you know, I got there, it was a cloudy morning and I found, Sorry, I'm choking up a little bit, it's okay. but I found her body there. And um, yeah, she said that she looked like an angel, that she was in one, you know, she was completely together still, which, you know, yeah. I, but that she had, you know, had gone out the night before. So like her makeup was perfect. She said she was laying there, you know, she, somehow she, you know, obviously there was a, you know, head injury, mm-hmm. and, but she was beautiful and looked almost like perfectly on laying on her back somehow. I mean, and it was for me, that was enough for me to hear that, it, which I don't know if that makes sense, but it was like, just to hear that she, you know, and her soul wasn't there anymore, no. you know? So it was just that body, the body was there. Her spirit had already left and I know how that works. And so my aunt there, you know, basically helped me long distance, you know, to go with her and to bring her, you know, to where she needed to go. So I, I just wanted to make sure though, that her 
physical body was protected in the process of cremation and everything, which we had both agreed to a long time ago that we wanted to do that. So mm-hmm. she wanted to be in Hawaii. If, you know, she passed away, you know, in the ocean and I wanted to be in Africa and, you know, I, we would joke about it. Right. But, right. you know, like, well, you're going to have to bring me to Africa because you're going to way outlive me. I mean, we never, ever want to yeah. imagine to be on this earth without our kids. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, the physical part was she's, she is gone. I have to come to terms with that. Her soul. Now it's working with her soul. And that was another form of love because I know very much. So if we're pulling at their spirit, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's a lot of untied things here on the earth, it makes it harder for them to go to the next level. Um, and so then it got into a whole other, you know, aspect of her boyfriend, her friends, you know, all my other family and needing to tie up loose ends as much as I could for Jenny. Wow. Yeah. And so it instantly went into that because I love her so much that I didn't want her soul to be trapped here. I didn't want her to feel pulled here that she, that there was unfinished. You think souls get trapped here? They can be pulled here if, mm-hmm. if if there's a lot of pulling and this book actually kind of gets into all of that, which is really like, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, just if there's unfinished stuff, it can make it harder for that process for the soul to kind of go to that beautiful next journey. Yeah. Reincarnation. What do you, you know, I believe very much in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you started talking to the grief counselor Mm -hmm. and, um, that, what, what did that lead you to like grief wise? Like what did, what did you develop some new tools or did you develop some ways of dealing with this that surprised you? Yeah. Well, he, so this man, his name was Terry Stout. Um, and basically his story was his daughter ended up dying in a very tragic way. You know, she was the love of his life and she ended up falling from a balcony and oh my god hit her head and anyways she went to a coma and this whole process and oh. then he had to be there and when she you know life support and everything and um it really you know broke him you know broke him on a deep level and he was already a psychologist and did all this work and so he ended up going to work with the Inca elders um, you know, in Peru, he ended up going on this journey and, and this deep kind of healing journey. And so he learned there, you know, a whole different process, um, kind of, you know, working the Inca wheel and, and, you know, it's kind of this journey of every direction is a different level of kind of consciousness until you get to like freedom, you know, where it's really beautiful. You're basically living lucid kind of dream life. Right. Um, and so he was really helpful, uh, for me and, you know, to have someone who had walked through it, you know, which, for sure. which now I'm not for a lot of people because I've walked through it, you know, cause I went to the breaking and to, you know, really get back from that. And he kept saying to me, and he was really great because I need someone who's kind of tough on me because I can kind of be a little hard sometimes, you know, where I'm just like, cause he would give me homework and all these things. And, and he would say, you need to drop completely out of your head and be fully into your heart. He kept saying out of your head into your heart. Cause one week I'd be fine. The next week I'd be struggling. And I, I remember one conversation I was like, she was my purpose. How do I be on this earth without her? She was my purpose. I don't see meaning here. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Like everything I did, I did for her. Why does it make sense? And he would say these things to me that really helped me question my own thoughts, which I think is really helpful for me. And he said, you know, what if your purpose was Jenny? 
for, for the first 33 years of your life. And he said, just what if he goes, just hear me out here. You know, he yeah. had a great way of talking to me. Yeah. And, um, he goes, and what I say might just be bullshit, but just hear me out, you right. know, and just uh, give it, just entertain it for a moment. You got to love right? people who know how to reach you. Right. Uh -huh. When you're, and, uh, he said, but what if your purpose now is to find your purpose? Mm -hmm. And he kept saying, you know, what are you being broken open into? It's mm -hmm. going to be something on the other side of this. And I kept trying to kind of figure that out and figure that out. The only thing that made sense to me was to help other people get through it. Yeah. That's the only thing that really makes sense to it. And you have to focus on a purpose. Um, after when you're in that grief, you have to kind of get your feet on the ground and have something to focus on. And the purpose was to help others to move through it. That ended up being what I focused on. And well, yeah, cause there's no way to understand it. I'm thinking specifically of, you know, my friend who mm -hmm. died, his wife, you know, and I've talked to her and she's just like, why? Like there, and we don't yeah. get those answers. We just yeah. have to, there's like this huge element of trust in there. That's so hard to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no explanation for it that really makes sense. No. And, and there's not going to be. No, but I really do believe that. At least not now. Yeah. We find the answers on the other side, you know, mm -hmm. and I do believe. Or we, you progress through life and then suddenly you look back and go, oh my gosh, yeah, that led me to break open in this way yeah, and to help all these other people. And now I understand. Yeah. But yeah. boy, that takes a long time. It does take <laughs> a long time. It does. And, and, and with grief, everybody has a different process and for me, the dropping, you know, completely out of your head and into your heart. And that was kind of like an Inca, you know, elders, like, like the wisdom. That. Yeah. And, and, and he kept looking at me and he said, how much have you been in your head and how much have you been in your heart this week? And I was like, I swear to you, I've been good. I've been dropping fully into my heart. And he's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> he goes, you're still thinking, you're still ruminating. He's like, you're still thinking, you know, like, what if, because the process of grief is so tricky, right? And everybody has their own timeline. Um, but it's like a passageway, you know, it's, it's, and it can be, you know, really stormy or kind of like, you know, kind of a little easier to move through. Yeah. But when it gets stuck, I guess it's like when grief gets stuck. I know we talked a little bit about this when we yeah. were able to reunite. Um, but it's guilt, Guilt it and is. shame is where grief gets stuck. And so a lot of the times when like, I'm like, what if I'd done X or what yeah. if I'd done, uh, I was with both my parents when they died. I don't know if you know that. I was and, with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, and so, um, my dad was like, my dad went, went fast when he went and, um, which was good. Yeah. Uh, but the hospice had come and there was a, hospital bed in the living room. And my sister and I happened to be there that day, both of us. And we were just kind of staying there because we knew he was probably going to pass really soon. And he was on oxygen. So he had like, at that point he had the little, the little things in his nose and, um, she was in the kitchen and I was standing next to him and I had just adjusted those things in his nose to make sure his oxygen was getting in his nose. And looked up at her and she was talking about whatever she was going to make or something in the kitchen. And I looked back down and he had died. And I knew, you know, when someone's dead, yeah. um, this is a very sunken look and his oxygen thing was out of his nose. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. You know, I was like, I, I killed my dad. Fuck. And, um, you know, I just felt so guilty. So like weeks later I tell my sister, I'm like, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, I, I must've done something wrong. 
or hit it. I don't know, you know, and like the oxygen came out of his nose and, um, I think I'm responsible. And she was like, Amy, he was going to die. He like, who knows what happened? You are not responsible for that. But like, just when you were talking about it, like it came up again and I was like, what if, but I mean, like, (laughs) you know, he, he was going to die, you know, but I felt, I still like have this like guilt, like I, I fucked up. I fucked up. I should have like, I should have just been watching yeah. it. You what know, if I was holding that right. in there and right. Well, it, anyway, it his time. you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I know it was, I know it was. And she talked to me, you know, off the ledge about it too, because I was still holding on to that even like over the weeks. And I was like, I'm going to have to tell her. Yeah. And I did tell her. And of course she was like, no way, no way. You know, she, yeah. and I know if the situation were reversed, I would say that to her, I would be like, come on, no way. Yeah. You know, because that's real. That's realistic. But we get our brain ruminates on that. Oh because, my God. Yes. And that's part of like the denial and the shock and, and yeah, the guilt and the shame. So yeah. I mean, like I feel weird even just saying that on the podcast, like, oh God, no, now people but are going to judge me. But isn't like, it good though? I mean, it's good. And because how many people have one of those memories and one of those thoughts with someone who's passed away and for them to hear people talk about yeah, it in a very like I could have, I would have, should have, yeah. what if. Yeah. Like I thought, you know, she was getting ready to come down, you know, to Texas and, you know, we we're getting a plane ticket and all these things, but I, she was going through some emo- like emotional turmoil with a guy that she had been dating and I knew she wasn't in a great mental spot, but you know, I didn't know, you know, exactly, you know, what it was, but I was just like trying to be there for her, you know, via the phone and, and talking to her every day and, and everything. And, you know, I love you so much, you know, you know, whatever you need, I'm here, I'm here, like, let's get you on the plane. But part of me is like, what if I just got on a plane and went up to her, you know, what if I had done, what if, right? So what if I, you know, what if I had done that? And so then I'm like, what if I paid closer attention and then been there for her and been out with her that night and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And, you know, if I had been living with her, could I have gotten the keys out of her hands, you know, before she got in that car? And so my mind kept ruminating over this and and over this and over this. And I was just, and those are the times when you were in your head, not your heart. Yeah. Like he was saying, yeah, Yeah. that was my head and not in my heart. And, Mm -hmm. um, I had to really look at that and I had to really forgive myself. You know, I had to forgive myself. I had to first, you know, it was, I know it's all, I believe it's pre-designed, you know, in in the stars, whatever you want to call it. And for whatever reason, her time was, it was her time to go, you know, whatever, for a reason, her soul was, you know, being called elsewhere. Um, But the guilt and the shame is where it gets stuck. And that's where people I think can be caught in grief for five, 10, 15 years in the same place where they're alive, but they're not living because of the grief has really taken them over. And so dropping fully into your heart, out of your head and into your heart is a hard thing to do. Uh, It is. It sounds easy, but no, I know I try to do it every day. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and (laughs) I've been caught in my head just, just this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we all do. And I was Mm -hmm. like, so I started negotiating with grief. You know, I'm kind of a funny human. It's a bar. No, that's part, part of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five mm. steps of grieving, denial, anger, bargaining, acceptance, oh, depression, then acceptance. But she says they all get mixed up in oh, there. It's like and a, that bargaining that, yeah. It's like a little wire is going and you're up and down. Yeah. So what was yours? Well, mine, you know, when I, when I was dropping, you know, into my heart and, and I would kind of be in this place where I was like, okay, well, 
I'm going to just let grief like fuck me up for like three days. Okay. Grief. You can just knock me down for like three days and I'm just going to really feel, be completely in my heart, cry, wallow in it, right. You know, do whatever, you know, wallow in it. But then after those three days, I need to get up and, and start doing some life. You know, it was interesting because I really kind of, uh, I wrote a poem about, it It was kind of like the waves of grief, you know, where you, it's a new reality when your heart is broken in that way. And where you're going through all these things where, you know, I kind of compared it to, you know, walking on a, uh, you know, a beach and the sense of you're, you're walking along life and this wave, you know, grief hits you and it knocks you on your ass and you're kind of being pulled under in the ocean and being tossed around and like, you know, just this turmoil, you know, inner turmoil and pain. And then you get spit up on the beach you know, and mm-hmm. then you get up and you're kind of tired, but you dust yourself off and keep walking. And those waves of grief hit you and kind of knock you down and pull you in. But the waves got less and less. And that was what gave me like hope through it. I There's mean, a metaphor. Have you heard that? That this woman wrote mm-hmm. and it's about a ball in a box and that mm-hmm. over and grief is, is the ball in the box and the, in the box, there's a button on one side of the box. And, and when it first happens, the ball's really big and it just hits the button just over and over, just like you're saying yeah, with the waves. Yeah. And over time, the ball shrinks and it doesn't hit the button as often, but when it does yeah. hit the button, it still hits the button. It's still, yeah, it's still full experience. It's not like you hit the button less. Yeah. It still hits it. And yeah. so that's the same thing with the waves, you know, maybe they're, maybe the, uh, waves, you know, have calmed down a little bit, but when you hit, get one, you get one. Yeah. And it, and it knocks you on your ass, right? And, it and, it's, ex- you on your and ass. it's exhausting too. You're mm-hmm. exhausted from it. You know, it's just, and you're trying to just get your life back together. Right. Yeah. You, but it's a new normal. You can't go back to who you were, you know, after this, you have to kind no, of create a new reality, a new normal, mm-hmm. a new purpose, a new life. And I think the sooner that you really start to focus on that, there is something on the other side of this, you know, and what you can focus on, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. You know, you've got it, you have something to focus on. Um, but yeah, working with him was extremely helpful for me and, uh, surrendering, surrendering to it, giving yourself the process and, it's been a year now since this happened. And, uh, I can say that I'm where I am now in my process with this grief, um, where I'm able to talk, which I'm actually super surprised that I'm able to talk about this without bawling my eyes up, which I'm like, you're doing great. Crying is amazing. You know, I always like my clients will say, I'm sorry for crying. I'm like, no, never apologize to me for crying (laughs) because repressed tears become illness in the body. So I'm always like, look at the waste basket after a full day of clients. And it's like all these tissues and I'm like success, (laughs) you know, this is good. But I'm like, actually kind of amazed that I'm not, you know, snotty, you know, bawling my eyes out. I was going to put fake eyelashes on today. I was like, no, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to end up like Britney Spears in that interview. I'm going to be like, no, Um, but I am at this place now because I really let I surrendered to grief and I really dropped into my heart and I really felt it. And I really let myself get fucked up by it for a while um, and fully felt it. And I'm glad that I have a beautiful community, uh, you know, where people held space Mm -hmm. for me to be. Well, I think there's a resistance and, you know, people want to be strong. And yeah. like oh, show yeah, that portray that too. Be strong, be strong. Yeah. and people want to be strong and, and, but there's that strength and vulnerability thing. And yeah. we've been talking about it, you know, from a personal standpoint, but, um, there's also the guilt of like, like 
have, did I do enough for you? No. And I feel bad about that. Or did I do enough for Helen, you know, Yates's wife, my friend that I've been talking about? No, you know, and, but it's kind of an, almost a two-way thing. Like it's okay. Reach out when you can. And I think people a lot of times don't know what to do. And so it holds them back. It's hard. How do you know what to say when you know someone is shattered? Like you you don't, you don't know what to say. And so you say, I don't know what to say, (laughs) you know, that's, that's what I do. And I, I tried to be more conscious about it, especially since taking that class in college, you know, it just made me, it taught us a lot about what not to say and what can hurt. And, um, And I know that you have a lot of thoughts on that and the right ways to reach out. But also, you know, on the flip side of that is that vulnerability of being able to say, like, I'm not strong right now. Grief is overtaking me right now. And uh, I need someone. And that's okay, too, you know. And um, like allowing yourself to do that. Or if you're on the other side, allowing yourself to just reach out now instead of being like, no, I've fucked it up now. It's too much time's gone by. Cause I kept saying I was going to get together with her and we couldn't quite make it work. And then the other day I realized, oh my God, I was supposed to text her this week and I didn't, you know, and now I feel bad. And <sighs> even though I think of him all the time, anyway, yeah. it's hard though, because it also really makes it real. Too, I think, you know, you were close to him yeah. as well. It, you I know. haven't taken his name off my speed dial yet. You know, like it's just still sitting there. Oh, and, and there's times when something happens and you still go to call that person yeah. and it's like, oh, you know, but you know, I had, I had a few people, you know, say to me, you know, I wanted to reach out to you. I wanted to, you know, but you know, talking to you made it too real. You know, I relate you so much to Jenny and you know, it's too real, like even some family members and I'm like, it's okay, I get it. But I think, you know, for me, you know, I had one of my best friends, uh, Carrie, uh, she's just like one of those down homies, you know, she's just Mm -hmm. like the homie. She just, she lives in LA and she got on a plane you know, she showed up at my door. She just showed up like instantly the next day. And she was just there. And I remember laying in the bathtub and, and she was washing my hair, you know, and she was just like, I'm here, I'm here, you know, and you know, there's, we don't know what to say. I I don't, you know, there's, what do you say? You can't comfort someone, but I think sometimes just letting them know, just you're there. I'm I'm here or, you know, and that was for me, you know, really, I think back to that and I'm like, wow, she got on a plane. You know what I mean? Some, do you know what I mean? But, but again, we just don't know what to do and there's no, we just learn, we learn with all this, right. How it works and whatnot. But Maybe now that some time has passed with with this loss, maybe you two yeah. now can get together and do something that maybe he would have loved, you know, yeah, something to honor him together because you were both close, possibly. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's like the grief process to um, memories, right? The memories, you know, they kind of would flash to me like I would dream and they'd flash to me like on a TV screen of all of our memories together. I would wake up in the middle of the night like screaming like Oof, you know, like it was too much to look at. I wanted to not think about it. I didn't yeah. want to look at those beautiful memories. But now, a year into it, those memories have become beautiful gifts, mm-hmm. like where I can smile at them now. But at first, you just you can't look at them, right? Right. But that's part of the healing process when the gifts of grief, I call it, you know, where they become these beautiful, almost little. I kind of do in hypnosis a visualization or little boxes, yeah. you know, if you open up these memories and, you know, these things, cause the love doesn't die. The love doesn't die. You know, the physical body goes, but the love doesn't. And you, and you feel that still. And 
for me, I do communication with the other side, you know, and I, and I would do it often for my clients, um, you know, to help them have, have closure and to, you know, set the stage and hypnosis and, and bring in the spirit, you know, if they want to communicate and have these conversations and that's where they had the closure. And it's like, there's often grief to, you know, to work through the, any guilt or shame, you know, ask them, you know, is there anything that I could have done differently, yeah. you know, and, and that's a beautiful process to, you know, of bringing peace somehow to it. Cause part of us knows, you know, part of us knows, but we need, we need that. Right. And yeah, everybody has different belief systems, you know, every, you know, some people, you know, might believe we just go and then there's nothing after this, but I know 180%, you know, mm -hmm. that there is. And now, um, you know, I never wanted this to be the relationship with my sister. You know, I got it with my dad after a while, after he passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the way, my dad passed and, you know, I was there when he passed away, but I had to make the decision to take him off life support when I, I was 19 years old. And so, yeah, I had to work through the guilt and, you know, there, um, this death thing, you get good at it after a while, the, you get good at the grief thing after a while, I think. But, um, yeah, I was like, you have to work, work through all of that in the yeah. sense of like, should I have done that? Whatever. Well, I know I did the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, but, but yeah, the communication is beautiful. So establishing the relationship with the other side, asking, you know, for signs, you know, asking for, you know, any, anything, you know, if they wish to, or, you know, every Sunday I go and walk and somewhere beautiful in nature and, and talk to Jenny, you know, yeah. and I, and I say now she's everywhere, you know, she's, she's everywhere. She's in every beautiful thing that I see. She's in every flower and every sunset, you know, so mm -hmm. it's like this love is so expansive, you know, it doesn't mean I don't miss her, you know, sometimes and want to hold her hand, you know, but it's, it's different, you know, it so. is different. And, but that's the, that's the trick of getting healed through it and yeah. getting to that part where you can see love that way, because <clears throat> otherwise we can hold our back, our whole ourselves back from love. I think, yeah. you know, if you, if you haven't fully done the work around the grief, then you can just say, I'm not going to love fully because it hurts too much. Yeah. You're so scared to experience scared. that loss again. Mm -hmm. Right. And, or it, even just your mind takes you there, you know, like, yeah. and you go, cause like I, what I'm going to say in my intro today, I'm going to record it after we're done, but I want to talk about loving fully and just the fear that I've felt around that. And, and, you know, I think that grief can take us away from that as well. And just, you have these little things that pop in your head and you're like, the negative what ifs, like what yeah. if, what if they're gone or what if not only they leave me or they die or something terrible happens, you know? And just, so then you're just like, I'll just keep my heart not quite all the way open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like armored heart syndrome. I call it. We, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like, you know, I'm in hypnosis, all visualizations, right? Yeah. So I like, I'm always creating visualizations and yeah. different journeys. And I created this, uh, which I'll send it to you when it's all done. Um, but this, uh, Egyptian kind of journey where I take Ooh, my client. I'm in yeah. Egyptian. Yeah, I know. Right. We both have ties. <laughs> yes. I think we were talking about like the Hathers and everything, mm -hmm. but, um, where I take, you know, my, in hypnosis, my clients on this journey, you know, backwards and under the pyramids to basically meet your ego, you know, that's protecting your heart, you know, and the, the, you know, the ego isn't a bad thing, you know, it's, it's a part of us, but what happens is, you know, the ego steps in to protect we us. We villainize it a lot. Yeah. And I have a relationship with my ego. Like Good. I understand, you know, 
I call her Karina. I you know, have a name for oh, my she ego. has a name. Yeah, that's Karina. It's my ego. <laughs> Karina and Marina. <laughs> yeah. Well, Karina's job, you know, is to come in and, and to protect my heart. Mm-hmm. Every time we get hurt, you know, we we speak a little less from our heart and more from our ego, right? Because it's protection. The ego's there to be like, be careful, you know, what if? Like, don't trust it, you know, you know, and the heart's like, oh, I want to love and I just want to, you know, be open and and you know, all these things. But it just kind of ego kind of steps in and and mm-hmm. soon if we're not careful, it's like an armored heart, you know, these layers and the layers, and so the ego is just there you know, basically communicating for us. And so our life is basically now being directed from the ego and not from our heart. And we all know when we speak from our heart, it leads us to a true place Yes, and our purpose, Mm -hmm. the ego's protection. So we're only going to go to like a halfway place, right? From the ego, like a halfway love. So then we'll attract a lot of the emotionally unavailable men or, or, you know, whatever these things are. I mean, big time. I've been studying that for the last year and a half and, uh, and really just trying to, and then like, something came up with me and Justin the other day and I had to just sit with it. And I was like, where's this coming from? Where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? You yeah. know, and really I had to just spend a few minutes and, uh, and then I, you know, really like looked into my heart to see where it was coming from. And I was like, yeah. okay, I got this now. And then when I voiced that to him, it totally made sense. He stepped up in the best way possible and like, yeah. yeah and it moved forward in a positive way. Yeah. And that's like cool because, you know, vulnerability. And that's like having a a great partner. You you can tell him him these things and he's going to meet you with not only like hearing you and like respecting it, but then, you know, problem solving it with you and showing up for you and supporting you. But it's different, you know, for if we've had partners in the past that have, you know, made us feel bad yeah. or, or weird for like voicing these things or, Oh, you're in, you know, insecure, mm-hmm. whatever these things are. Or we were just of- coming from a place that was, you know, in our ego, in yeah. that blocked heart. Yeah. And, um, it's protection. Sometimes when I'm setting my intention, I'll just recognize that like, Oh, I'm feeling resistance toward these things. And I'll just, uh, be like, okay, my intention is just to keep my heart open. Yeah. You know? But that's the hard thing in this world is to keep our heart open <laughs> in a world where life happens. Yeah. You know, the human experience is hard. You know, mm-hmm. we, we go through good things and we have a lot of pain that comes in. And so how do we stay open and keep our heart open? You know, and, and grief is one of those challenges, you know, that kind of will really challenge us to keep our heart open after we lose someone who means the whole world to us. You know, how can you not get jaded in that? Right. How can you not get jaded? Yeah. Well, I was pretty jaded for a few months. I was pretty, I mean, I saw, I started seeing my clients again after, you know, a couple months and I felt good enough to, mm-hmm. I felt in my energy, but, uh, I wasn't fully in my heart space. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't yeah. fully back in my heart space and I had to really, all right, if I want to guide anybody, you know, I know I have to really be heart centered to guide them properly. So I had to, and almost, you know, kept me accountable. It's such a push. Mm-hmm. Like I'll experience so much resistance over it. Yeah. I'm like, why am I doing? And, um, God dang. It's, it's like, it's a constant practice for me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, I'll talk to my ego sometimes and I'll say, thank you. Like, I understand, you know, why you're doing this. Thank you, Karina. Yeah. Thanks, Karina. (laughs) But like, I need you just to like, sit down for a little bit. Like, just trust me. I'm going to be okay. Like, and Karina's like, are you sure what happened last time you did this? Mm -hmm. This person broke your heart. And it's like, yeah, but I have to try it again. It's so funny. It's like negotiating with your ego. (laughs) Do you feel like since you've done that work that your heart can get broken? I mean, besides from Jenny, I mean, just like in love, I kind of feel like I've almost transcended that. Yeah. I don't want to put that out in the universe or anything, but, um, but I just feel like, like working on my own self-love, I'm like in the trust 
uh, that I'm being led in the right way. I've really just like kept progressing in that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do. I mean, I, don't I think that also, you know, for me, when I went through the most major heartbreak of my life, nothing can really hurt me too bad anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's kind of, it's an interesting thing. Cause that was my worst fear, you know, and the, you know, f my worst fear in the world was that anything would ever happen to Jenny. I mean, it yeah. really was. And, and when I raised her, I mean, I was pretty overprotective over her, mm -hmm. you know, I remember even her like wanting to go to like carnivals and things and you know, what rides are you going to go on? No, not that <laughs> one. Like, I mean, I was like, I was right. like, no, no, no. You're like, I've uh, seen those yeah. carnies. Mm -mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, and I had, you know, the, the tracking device on her phone and everything. So I could know where she was at. Mm -hmm. And cause I was like mom, dad, and sister at once and working full time. But like, I was so, I was so overprotective. I will, you know, and that was another huge lesson that I learned in this is as much as we want to control something, you know, our, our worst fear, as much as we want to control the outcome and do all we can we can't. We it's can't. like holding on to sand. It slips through our hands the harder, you know, that we try to hold on. And that was a huge lesson for me is every path is perfect. Even the path of someone leaving this earth is a perfect path. But I had to come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you can't control anything. So holding on tighter or, you know, it, it only makes, it doesn't do anything, I know. but stress us out and take us out of the, out of the moment and just enjoying yeah. you know, enjoying life with this person. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons in that. And that's, I think it's a huge one. Yeah. I think it just, it gave me so much wisdom out of this, you know, so, so much and things I thought that I knew, you know, it broke me up in a different way, but mm -hmm. yeah, as far as like heartbreak now, you know, I don't think that, I don't think that much can really phase me. I think I've pretty much gone through the ringer. I'm so scared to even say that out loud though, because then I'm like, then life is like, Oh, really? Okay. Let's just make sure. Let's I, try, you know, I know. <laughs> like, just kidding. Don't challenge that. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it an interesting <clears throat> thing though? Like if you think about your worst fear, like the thing that you don't want to happen, yeah. you know, and right. out of anything, and then it comes true. Well, then what do you have to fear? Right. What do you have to fear? And so it, it did make me fearless in a sense that's really, you know, beautiful. It could be dangerous if I was a dangerous, you know, human, if I was reckless, you know, yeah. but in the sense it just like, just live, you know, so any fears I had of, you know, putting myself out there with things mm -hmm. or, you know, being, being big or, you know, reaching the places I want to reach is that just went away. You know what? And it's a good exercise just in any way. Cause I've, I've like in the last year or two, just done exercises around entertaining that where yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be broken, destitute and living on the street. Mm, is that really true? Am I really, is that okay? My worst fear, like my, my, or not my worst fear, but if I have a fear of, you know, and not having any money. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's that really going to look like? Like, let's be real about it, you know? And then you yeah. force yourself and you're like, okay, I'm probably not going to be living in a tent on the street. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends, you no. know, and, uh, and like I, my kids are going to be okay. Be we have nice tent, food though. in the pantry, you know, like, and I think, you know, if you go down it, your fear is, I was just reading something from Aubrey Marcus about this today. And he was saying like, usually it's maybe worse than you hoped, but better than you fear, you know? Yeah. And like, so yeah just can you really go down that and say what is what is really true in this situation and really like look at it more objectively rather yeah. than letting our fears run away with us becoming the watcher of our thoughts is the goal right yeah, yeah. because like if you were looking at okay jenny dying was my worst fear yeah then if he, if i before she died you would have been like i'll die you know i guess yeah. probably yeah. you probably would have thought if she dies i'll just die i'll die yeah 
Yeah. And then you survive. The and things- if you, if you had really entertained that, you would probably been like, okay, I may not die, you know, and you did, you survived. Yeah. Yeah. Barely. 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 Yeah. Yes. But yeah, you did. Yeah. And there was, that was quite a journey, but, yeah. but, but yeah, such a learning there. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting thing, right? So, but the grief process and we were talking about kind of, you know, some things that I do like the hypnosis yes. and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd be cool to just have people, you know, have a website now and I have, you know, email Yay. or whatever, but I have a few different recordings around grief for different levels and different situations in grief. Right. Cause there's yeah. a lot. So I kind of wanted to offer, like, if anybody's struggling, you know, yeah. to email me and I send free recordings out to people Ugh. that are specifically in whatever place. That's you so know, beautiful. Yeah. Cause like, I don't want to just like blanket one recording out, you know, but I want to help people because just to get through the the thick of it, you know what I mean? And, and it does get lighter, but what, but when you're immersed in it again, I, you know, visualizing like the ocean tossing your ass around and grief and yeah. you're like getting banged upon the rocks of memories and what if, and you know what I mean? It's so yeah. much, you, you can't think clearly. So there's different recordings in this that I created throughout my grief process, actually. Like I would wake up from like these nightmares, you know, I've seen her in my dreams and, and whatnot. I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at in my process. I need to create something for people who are here. You know what I mean? This is where I'm at. So a lot of levels, but I want to send things out for free if there's anybody struggling because yeah. I, you know, in, you know, my attempt of my desperate attempt of finding Jenny, you know, I was, I was actually speaking to the other day of like, that was like, like, like my darkest moment, but actually it was just a moment of like, where I was just, you know, I was at a place where I was, didn't care either way, but it was really initial, just very much shock. Like yeah. now I love my life and I wouldn't go there, but you have to be able to reach people at that level, which is hard. And I think that I'm very good at doing that now because I was there. And once you understand it and go through it, then you just have a whole new way of relating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And helping a whole new way. But I just think, you know, dropping from the head into the heart, that was like the thing that helped me the most. Yeah. And, and giving yourself time, giving yourself the time that you need and everybody is on a different timeline. There's no right way to grieve. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, wrong way. So give people process, give them time. And it does feel, you know, it's, there's like PTSD that's wrapped around that too, in a sense, right? Well, you have these flashbacks, these things hit you, especially if it's like this traumatic thing, like the car accident, you know, well, well, I found myself in a car, you know, driving, you know, with my boyfriend and, and I, you know, was really on edge, you know, and I was really like, okay, that energy of that car ahead of us, like, no, you know, and I found myself and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I now have a little bit of fear here on the road because, you know, of this accident yeah. and I would just get flashes of things. So it hits, there's all these different layers to it, you know, that, oh, that make time. it tricky, but it is like PTSD. It can hit you anytime. Yeah. I had that happen like a year ago or something and I was driving. I had taken maybe two microdoses that day and that was a little too mm. much, but it makes you a little sensitive. <laughs> I was a little it? emotional. Yeah. I have to really watch it with those. I can't really take them because Me too. Get, my emotions are already up here oh. and then I take them and they're like, poof. Me too. But like I was just driving and like I just heard one thing on a podcast and she was just talking about her dad and and I just start crying and I could feel my heart just like, you know, and yeah. I was like, well, I guess there's something else there to grieve, yeah. you know, so thanks for bringing it out. Yeah. But it just can appear anytime. And um, and so I like that, you know, you you are helping people in that way. And I want to encourage people to not be scared of hypnotherapy because I think it hit the hypno part of it can like yeah. sound a little scary to people sometimes. 
but it's yeah. really easy and lovely. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a guided, you know, meditation, except for it's going deeper, you know, it's yeah. going to a deeper, yes, relaxed it's like a deeper place. guided meditation. Yeah. It's, it's like, exactly what it and is. And a trance is like a, a deeply relaxed focus so that it's just getting to the root. It's getting to the subconscious mm-hmm. level of the mind, which is where you make the changes. Yeah. That's where it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you find any other, I think it was cool that, you know, you were able to take those moments of like a deep grief and turn them into something like alchemize them essentially yeah, exactly. into one. something to help people. And I don't know. Um, a lot of times people might be in that situation, and not be able to do it. Yeah. But, uh, I think that's just a good way to look at it. Like, okay, is there a way that I can at least write this down and, you know, remember it so I can be there for somebody else when they are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's just, everybody's in their different process, you know, they really are, but yeah. I guess so many tools that he read my mind. I I was about to say, I guess what I'm getting at is what other tools. Yeah. I got those out. Yeah. And I think that, I think the different tools for, for the different stages of the grief, right? So Mm -hmm. shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, Uh you know, and, um, yeah, I I have notes here. I was like, good, look at your notes. I'm like, my little yellow notepad here. So there's different tools for, for each level, Yeah, you know, I think, and that's where, I'm more than happy to, you know, share that and, you know, email everybody. I'm doing lots of emails every day, you know, email them where they're at tell me where you're at. Yeah. This is how I want to help you. But just to know you're going to get through it, you know, you're going to get through it and it doesn't feel like it for the first while. It just doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it for the first well, while. Depression too. It just feels so dark and like you're not ever going to come out of it. Yeah. If you think about the a grief being like a, a passageway, like a stormy passageway, it does lift, you know, but there are ways to make it not so stormy. And that's mm-hmm. where, the, you know, the tools come in. That's where like hypnosis comes in. That's where, you know, also whatever spiritual practice you have. I mean, for me, if I didn't have a spiritual practice, if I didn't have a knowing, you know, a, you know, that there was more than this, it would have been a lot harder, you know, it would have been for a sure. lot harder. So, you know, what is it breaking you open into? Yeah. You have to kind of just reroute and reconfigure your whole reality, you know, um, and, and your friend's wife now, you know, Helen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you chat at all? Like a touch base all about how she's you I'm know, going to today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and her process. Yes. Cause it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's everybody goes through their different, to their different process. Oh, and she told me some of, you know, her process and it just, my heart, it just broke my heart because I could just feel that, you know, she was just coping the best she could Yeah, in so many ways. And, um, and you know, I I don't know what that's like in her shoes. Yeah. So you you just find compassion Yeah. and, and want to just be there, Yeah. you know, and that's sometimes all you can do is just be there. Let's go for a walk, you know, bring food or, you know, whatever feels good to that human. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is a beautiful discussion and I can't thank you enough because, um, you know, especially right now with all that's going on in the world, I feel like, you know, we've heard of people dying all over the place. And so I just think it's really useful and something that isn't discussed enough. Yeah. Death in general. We're not in grief process. How to grieve. No, we're We're not. not. None of us are getting out of this thing alive. We're right. all going to die. <laughs> you know, the truth is. So, yeah, but we're not taught how to grieve, you know, and we have to, we have to honor, 
honor yeah. our grief process, make it, make it, you know, a ritual, you know, make it an honoring, you know, for ourselves too, for that person and, and not try to rush it. You know, you think about like, okay, well, someone that I love passed away. Well, you can have a week off work or, and then mm-hmm. you're expected to just jump back into life and and be normal, you know, to go back. Mm-mm. No, like you need much more time than that. And you have to give yourself grace And then if you know someone who's going through it, you have to give them grace. Yeah. You know, you have to give them space, grace. And and I feel like I didn't understand it a lot about losing your parents, you know, until I lost my mom. And then suddenly I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like it it sounded bad before. But then once I experienced it, I was like, well, this really sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, And you just like then gain a new perspective once you're through it. You do, you yeah. do. And then that person would want you to keep living, you know? For sure. And so sometimes we're beating ourselves up and punishing ourselves. And, you know, I have the thought of why should I be here and not her? You know, I was even, I wish there's some way I can go and like talk to death and be like, hey, you got the wrong one. Like That's take, that bargaining. Yeah, yeah, know? bargaining. Like, it is. Take me instead, you yeah. know? Um, but that's not what it is. And, you know, that person, that love, you know, they're going to want you to keep living. You know, they're not going to want you to stay stuck in this Mm -mm. place of deep sadness forever and not living, you know? Right. I wouldn't want that. No, no. no. Like when I die, I'm like, I hope everyone throws a really wonderful party. Like listen to like Duran Duran come undone. Like, you know, like have like big (laughs) shoulder pads on me, you know, like I want, I do want it to be like an exit celebration (laughs) for me, you know, but I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I think I've got a lot to do here, but we also need to just rework our relationship with death. The other day, my daughter said my 15 year old, she was like, Hey, when I die, will you make a chair out of my bones? And then and oh, I, was Jesus. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, no, I, no, I absolutely oh. cannot promise that. I know. Can you imagine? And, but like, um, anyway, even, even our children want us to go on living. Like, you know, yeah. make a chair out of my bones, have a good yeah. time. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. um, it's just, uh, really hard. It's interesting now. It makes me, uh, really take time precious with people I love, you know, in the sense of like, I'm so grateful now for time with people I love. Yeah. Like, put your fucking phone down and yes, be present. Like when I got to see you after a year, like, you know, it's, I'm always yeah. excited to see you, but like, I just like, it's a different level of gratitude now and appreciating time with people and knowing how precious it is now in a different way. So you, you get this different perspective on the other side of this. And you don't ever stop missing that person. You know, mm-hmm. that never goes away. And, um, and there are times when it hits harder than others, you know? Um, so like the anniversary, you know, I call them like emotional landmines, you know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. it's the place where you're walking on the beach, right. And there's just like a tsunami that hits you, uh, you know, you're fine for a while. So, but then it hits you again. Right. So like birthdays, you know? Yeah. I know someone who calls it a tragiversary. Yeah. Anniversary of deaths. And mm-hmm. so, and that goes into like tools, which, Again, I, I like to make sure I'm connecting with people, you know, and hearing them and where they're at to make sure helping them properly. But there's things like, you know, emotional landmines. It's like you need support and tools around those, yeah. you know, don't be alone. Like I was alone, you know, you know, on like Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving without Jenny, I went to a deeply depressed place. Like I found myself feeling like I was back when it first happened, you know, I was alone and I was just scared and I was, I didn't want to be alone, but I didn't want to be around anybody, but my mind was just racing. Yeah. I went to a very, you know, dark depression for like, like a week. And then I came out the other side of it, but different ways to support people, different, you know, anniversaries showing up and how to show up for yourself on those 
on those landmarks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So all, there's a lot of different tools and there, I mean, this could be like a five day talk about everything. It really could because we didn't even get into, you know, I just, now it came up like my friends that have had a mom's demand action who've lost a child to gun violence and talk about sudden. And then you're looking for justice on top of that. Oh. Maybe you have to go through the legal yes, system. Exactly. The and layers of everything is so different because that's anger can bring. Oh, oh yeah. so much anger. I, you know, and for me, I, I and justified anger. Yes. yes. You know, when I heard, you know, she passed away in a car accident, you know, my mind went and I started talking to the you know, detective and yeah. retracing the steps. I, I actually, you know, I wrote a post on Facebook when I found out and I go, I need to know everywhere she was that I night. I remember this. I was like, I remember and you know, your post. And you know mm-hmm. as a mom, like you could feel that energy, yeah. right? I was tracking everything. Like, was she drugged? You know, was did someone upset her? You know, I needed to know all the details to try to make sense of this, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, so much anger there. And then when I found out it was her who made the choice to get into her car after her friends who got her home safely and yeah. she drove directly, you know, into a pole and, you know, it was, oh, I don't have anybody to get angry at. Yeah. And then I felt anger at her. Yeah. And that's a whole other layer, layer, right? When, when, wow. When we believe that somebody that we love more than anything. Oh, for sure. Has done this to for themselves. Sure. And that's, you know, whether you know, with her, it was a suicide or whether, you know, yeah. whether, you know, I don't know. Exactly. Well, that suicide, that is a whole nother level. But, but suicide yeah. is a whole nother level of different kind of grief that comes in it because you, then you feel the angry, you know, you don't want to, but I, I had to be very, no, but you're fucking pissed at them. I was, yeah, I was irate at her. Jenny, how could you do this? Like, no, like how in the world, like, you know, I can't be angry at her, but I was, but then you feel mad at yourself, you know? So there's all these <laughs> yeah. layers that you have to work through. It gets complicated. Yeah. yeah. And you have to be really honest. So that's why, you know, I work through all those emotions. We have to go through and look at all those emotions. We have to look at them, the anger, sadness, the, in the different levels, there's so many layers to this. And know that, that what you're feeling is normal and it's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't allowing that part of it. Cause I think you can just beat yourself up. Like, I should be strong. I should be able to handle this. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, the feelings that I felt embarrassed of, you know, I was embarrassed that I had anger, you know, at her. Yeah. Cause I you're was, not an angry person. Yeah. And I'm like, how can I have anger at my sister? I love more than anything on the planet who passed away. Well, I talked to like my grief recovery specialist, you know, and he was, he pulled, you know, would pull things out of me and he's like, are you angry at her? And I was like, no, you know, he, <laughs> I, I was like, no, no, not at all. He goes, Mm-hmm. He's like, you're angry at her, you know, it, but this is someone who knows grief. He know, he knew, you know, how to work with it. I go, and then I started bawling my eyes and I'm like, how could she do this? You know, all these things. And I go, and how could I feel this way about her? You know? And he's like, what you're feeling is what you're feeling, you know? Yeah. And that's, he's like, you're out of your head and you're into your, you know, you're into your heart now. And that's where that's you where have you to be real. Have those feelings. Yeah. And, and to know that it is normal, that your process, it's a deeply disorienting thing. And you are, you are broken at like a cellular level. So all of it's normal, but holding it in and not talking about it, it festers it in a weird way. And that's where, you know, and not good. (laughs) Where does like self-love fall in the scope of this? Because I don't know if you're really in tune with that self-love, are you letting those emotions out more freely and more easily or? Yeah. Where's that? Well, yeah, definitely. And you know, it's kind of, I think there's like an energy to all things, you know, there's an energy to all things, but like, yeah. but grief. I'm thrilled that the lights are working right now and yeah. you haven't like caused our <laughs> electronics to malfunction. But, um, you know, 
grief is a big energy and there's a lot of pressure in, in grief. Right. So it's like releasing that pressure, you know, releasing it, whatever that looks like, honoring them, talking to someone, Mm -hmm. releasing that pressure, you know, dropping into your heart, crying, like crying a ton. Like I cried buckets and buckets and buckets. I didn't know a human could cry so much, you know, like really, like I was, it's wild what your body goes through, you know, and then the physical aspects of it too. And this is where like self-love comes in, you know, so releasing the pressure, you know, is a high form of self-love and grief, I think. And and that looks like different things. What does that look like? Well, talk therapy, you know, like hypnotherapy, whatever is honoring them, nature, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever that looks like. But, you know, when I was internalizing, you know, and we've, our other show that we, you know, podcast we did together was mind body connection, Oh yeah, you know, and where we've talked about how things manifest in the Mm -hmm. body. Well, after a few months of Jenny passing away, my hair started to fall out in chunks. I would take a shower and chunks would fall out of my hair. Uh There's always somatic manifestations. Yeah. My nails were brittle and breaking, like cracking down the middle, you know, so physically the grief was manifesting in my body in weird ways where it almost felt like my body was dying. You know what I mean? It was weird. Like I was, my skin was yellow, you know, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't talking to anybody then I wasn't Mm -hmm. working through it. I was internalizing it and trying to survive it, but I wasn't doing the self-love. The highest form of self-love is acknowledging. I think at that point you need help. You need some help. And it was hard for me to do that. I really, you know, I've been on my own since I was very young and I've self-healed myself through so many things, but this is the one thing I couldn't. And it was, it was a whole different level of vulnerability for me, but yeah, it manifests. And that's another thing that's hard for people too, is you do see it physically. Yeah. You know, I I remember just looking in the mirror, you know, one day and I, you don't care, you know, the depression hits in and you're not caring about showering, you know, showering or whatever. And it was COVID. Right. So I'm like, you know, up in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. (laughs) I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter. Well, I was do like, I started to do zoom sessions, you know, with clients all over the world. And I was like, cool. I'll just like, at least I could put mascara on, put my hair in a bun. Like I'd be Mm. putting my hair in a bun and like hair would fall out. And I'm like, it's okay. You know what I mean? No, it wasn't okay. I wasn't even caring about myself at that Mm -hmm. point, you know, but you have to take care of yourself. You have to shower. You got to take a bath. You got to release the energy, but you don't care when you're in that deep place. You know what I mean? So I'm always surprised when I'm feeling really bad and I'll be like, oh, I haven't showered in like three days or two days or whatever it is, you know? And I'm like, no wonder I feel bad. Yeah. Baths mm-hmm. are my happy place. Like mm-hmm. I make a lot of bath potions and everything for my clients, you know, to release, you know, to cleanse energy and everything. So I started oh, I like that. Yeah. And I'm like, look in the mirror and I'm like, Marina, you look terrible. You know what I mean? I was just like, <laughs> you got to wash your face. You got to yeah. use some lactic acid. Like, oh no. And I, it was interesting. Like looking in the mirror, I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. you, you know, you got to get your feet on the ground here. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. If you don't practice self-love in this, it's, it, it does manifest in things. And then, you know, the denial and then coping. Well, a lot of times people turn to drugs and alcohol, Big you know, time. to cope. And, you know, I love mezcal from time to time. Well, you know, when I wasn't processing, when I wasn't talking to someone, you know, I was like, I'll just go get a mezcal or two or three, you know, after a full day, mm-hmm. I found myself one week I had, you know, drank five nights a week, mm-hmm. you, you know, is actually a few weeks. I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I noticed, I look back at my patterns and I was drinking way too much. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling, I was connecting to something false. I was numbing myself, you know, and mm-hmm. that's not self-love. That's mm-hmm. a not self-love. So as much as, oh, I need a drink. I've had a long day. I deserve a drink. You know, that's fine, you know, in, in capacity, but 
right. You know, to drink, to not feel it, it, that's not, you know, self-love. It's not, you're not going to process it and you do mm-hmm. have to feel it to heal it. There's no easy way out of grief. You've got to dive in. You've got to go full into the heart. You've got to fully feel it, get fucked up from it, you know, washed around in the ocean of it. Mm-hmm. And it gets lighter and lighter every time. And that's, I think the self-love I don't try to, don't try to distract yourself, you know, boys drinking, whatever, you know, the, on the other side of it, it's something more extreme. Yeah. yeah work. Mm-hmm. So again, that's where it's kind of hard because a lot of times you don't have a lot of time to process grief. So that's where we have to really bring in those tools and yeah, you know, allow yeah. you know, whatever it is, the hy- hypnosis meditations, you know, uh, ritual, you know, and that can be one good thing maybe that came out of COVID is that like, we've all gotten a lot more compassionate for one another Definitely. and like, Oh, you're not feeling well. Okay. Like do what you need to do or, yeah. you know, or yeah. if you've lost someone, totally. we're all, um, I don't know. We're just a more compassionate bunch. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. So. For me, you know, it was, uh, you know, wild how it all happened because, you know, Jenny passed away and then three days later, the whole world went into lockdown. Yeah. So I had, uh, you felt like the whole, you know, world was mourning with me almost. And I got to shut down. I was yeah. able to shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, and being really up in the did. mountains, you know, and the trees was amazing too. But like, I was able to just completely not be functional, you know, not have to worry about life things for a minute because mm-hmm. no one was able to do life nope. things. I didn't have to fake it and, you know, pretend mm-hmm. like my hair wasn't falling out and I didn't have, you know, all this stuff going on. And, yeah, you know, wasn't completely exhausted every day. I, and I, everybody was way more like, how are you doing, you know, to everybody? Like, are you yeah. handling this? Okay. Cause we're in a weird world right now. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> definitely. Oh, so good. Well, um, I, I feel like we're probably wrapping up a little bit. So is there anything else you want to add before we go? And then also want to make sure that I will put it in the notes too, but that you share your email and your website so everybody yeah. can find these free resources. I have a website now. Last time Congrats. I did. Congrats. I know. Yay. Yay. Yeah modernmindalchemy.com. My boyfriend made it for me. Woo-hoo. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And that's modernmindalchemy.com. Yeah. And it's alchemizing these things. And that's really yeah. the point of it is to take these pains, take these lessons and how we alchemize it, how we turn that energy into something different. Um, but yeah, just, I guess, leave it with... Ooh, I just, just thought of the title of our of our episode, how to alchemize grief, right? Yes. Grief alchemy. Grief alchemy. Bam. Magic. good. Can we trademark Uh, that real quick? Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Um, Yeah. So I guess leave it with, you know, you have to drop from your head into your heart. And as much as we don't want to feel it, you have to feel it. You have to surrender to it. And everyone's process is going to look different how much time you have to do that. But um, I just really want to help people get through the rough bits of it, the rough parts of it, you know, and, and to reach out to me and, you know, so I'll send you recordings. I'll send you things to listen to whatever it is. Um, there's this beautiful process, uh, and I'm creating a grief recovery, like workshop, right? There's this process in Japan, you know, where a ceramic breaks and they fill, they fill it with Wabi gold. Sabi. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. And you think about a broken heart, right? Almost like that ceramic. Well, mm-hmm we kind of have to pick up our pieces and we have to create like a new mosaic of self. So I kind of like that visualization for people to think about, yes, your heart might be broken in pieces on the floor right now, but we are going to pick it up together and we're going to glue it back together with gold, you know, and we're going to create a new mosaic of you. You're not going to look 
like you did before. Mm -hmm. But there's beauty in that. There is a lot of beauty in that. And I love Wabi Sabi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh There's beauty. There is beauty in every breaking. There is. Yeah. As hard as that is. Yeah. Right. But that's healing. It's not curing. It's not going back to the way the vase was or whatever the unbroken was. It's, it's heal. That's what healing is. And the scars may show, but you're beautiful in a whole new way and you're a whole in a whole new way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I can't thank you enough because this was a beautiful discussion and I feel like it's helpful to me and I hope it's helpful to a lot of people. I know it will be. I hope so too. It's something we really need to talk about more openly. Absolutely. Yeah. Learning. Because we all are going to do, if you haven't dealt with it yet, you will. Yeah, you know, you will as much as we want to avoid it. And yeah. I was like holding my little 14 year old dog the other night. And and I was just like, look, he has one little, oh. eye, little Oliver <laughs> yeah. and, he, you know, he has like arthritis and everything. And, and, you know, I've been like <laughs> doing doggy aspirin and, and joint supplements and all this stuff. And, and I was looking at him in the eye and I'm like, I know you're not here forever, but give me like, like good two years. Like give me like two more years. I was like, we got a lot to do still. And he like looks at me, this little eye, you know, it's like so funny. And I was like, cool, got it. And then when you go, like, let's have our souls meet back at this place. You got it? You know, it's like, we don't want people to go, you know, these things we love so much, but I know it happens. So enjoy that love, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy that love and, and yes. live it, you know, while yes. you have it. And yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you, Marina. I love you so yeah. much. I love you the most. <laughs> I love you the most. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank yes. you too. All right. Huge thanks to Marina today for being here and sharing all her magic and light with us and all these tools to help us through the grieving process that we all have to deal with in some way, right? Even if you can apply these to, like we talked about in the beginning, right? To an old way of being or to a relationship or all the myriad of things that we grieve in this life as we transform and move into a new way of being and move into um, that new mosaic of self, which is a really cool way to put it. So don't forget that you can find her at, uh, sorry, I just lost it right now. I got it though. Here it is at modernmindalchemy.com or you can email her marina renee at gmail.com and she will give you those free resources which I've done her sessions as we talked about, and they are so beautiful and so incredible. And you go really deep in, in a non-scary way. And then of course you can find her on Instagram at modern day magic woman. And just to recap a little bit of what we talked about at the beginning too, it's that getting out of your head and getting more into your heart. And that's what I'm talking about too, with the falling asleep thing where you just drop more into your heart and you give yourself that love that we deserve. We so deserve. I love you. Insert your name here. I mean, just repeat it to yourself. Just give it a shot. Just, just give it a try. Like do the little experiment, right? And just slow down your breath. You could even do it right now. You can just say it right now. I'm listening. (laughs) Say it out loud. (laughs) There you go. I love you, Amy. I love you. And I love you. And just try repeating it to yourself and um, going easy on yourself, dropping into your heart, allowing yourself to feel whatever it is that we need to feel. Because that's where we start to alchemize. That's where we start to become whatever life is showing us that we have to become. And we aren't experiencing the resistances or we experiencing or we experience them and we learn from them. And we go, I see you resistance. Okay, fine. 
what am I resisting here? Where can I open up just a little bit further, even to my own self-love? Even if it's like my daughter and you look in the mirror <laughs> and you're like, this is weird, but it matters and it makes a difference. And I make myself do it every day. I look in the mirror and I say, I love you, Amy, which, you know, I would be embarrassed if someone watched me, but here I am talking about it. So uh, don't forget that you can sign up for my newsletter and get free resources on my website. That's amyedwards.com. And I'd be honored if you sign up for the newsletter and share this episode with a friend. If you feel called, maybe, you know, somebody who's gone through something. I think we all do, especially right now. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll just be a reaching out that you can say, I'm thinking of you. I don't know the right thing to say, but I do know that grief is real. And maybe this will help you. You know, maybe this is just something I just thought of you. I just thought of you. So here's this. And rate, review, subscribe to. That really does make a difference. And I'm trying to get to, I think, 500 five-star reviews. So if you could add yours, I would be just so full of gratitude, so full. So I am full of gratitude anyway, though, that I'm here and that you're here and that we have this beautiful, amazing support staff here at Hot Pie and at this amazing network and all the good that they're putting out in the world because it is full of really good people here. So thank you to them. Thank you to you. And I think that's all the business that I needed to share. Email me though. Email me if you have, you know, self-love practices. I would love to hear them. What, whatever your self-love practice is that uh, I can learn from. Um, totally in for it. Totally up for it. So write to me at amy at amyedwards.com. Love to hear from you. And I love you. And here's wishing you peace, health, wealth, love, joy, bliss, open heartedness, and all the rest of it. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this show, please rate and review. It totally matters. And I encourage you to spread the love too and share this episode with a friend if you feel called. Find me and my newsletter sign up at amyedwards.com. And you can also connect with me on Instagram at realamyedwards or in Clubhouse at amyedwards or write to me. It's amy at amyedwards.com.